Hello, and welcome to Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We are going to hear stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine, here. Today, we're going to be talking about stress management, specifically at work. So when work is stressing you the F out, what do you do? We're going to look at some strategies for you around this because social work can be very stressful. And before we hop into that, I just wanted to thank you for your patience because this year the podcast has been a little bit unsteady as far as the scheduling goes. Normally I'm good about my once a week, but this year there's been some changes and I've been doing my best, y'all. So I appreciate the patience that you have with me. Uh, But I am planning to continue to publish episodes on a regular basis, ideally twice a week, so that I can still be sharing those clinical tips with you. So before we hop in, another another update that I wanted to share with you is an update on the interstate compact for social workers. So if you're not familiar with this, I did an entire episode on what the interstate compact is, and we kind of dove into it as far as what they're doing to get your social work license to be applicable and honored in other states so that you can work across state lines. And that was an episode last year, and I wonder if I can pull up So it was last year, it would be update on the interstate compact for social work. I don't know exactly what episode it is, but scroll back. It's not too far back there. So I wanted to update you. So, so far, legislation has been enacted in South Dakota and Missouri, and there are at least 25 other states with legislation in the process. So once seven states hop on board, With this, that is when the compact will go into effect. So you can always look at the website if you want more. So swcompact.org, and that'll give you a map to see if your state is one of the ones involved. But just know that it is moving along, and if your state is enacting it or if they haven't proposed any kind of legislation, then you might need to start advocating for that if that's something that you're interested in. Um, And our episode before will tell you exactly how to do that. So let's hop right into our talk about stress management for work, if you will. Before we get into there, I just want to share a little story. So I'm an LCSW. I've been social working since 2009. And for the most part, it's been in medical social work, and I have loved it, right? Now I've gotten my fingers into a couple different things as far as podcasting, being an author, being a mental health speaker and trainer, being a teletherapist. So I have a lot of different experiences in a wide range of fields as far as social work goes. 
And the time that I was most stressed out was probably tied between grad school and working full-time right after I graduated from grad school. And grad school was different because you have that adrenaline going, so you're really excited. Everything is new. You're learning all this exciting new things, and you don't really pay so much attention that you're completely exhausted and possibly burnt out. But if you are, that is totally normal. But just keep going with that adrenaline um, as long as you can. Uh, but for me, it really, really hit me. This this stress, this need for stress management, really hit me after I had graduated. I had been working in the field for about a year or so. I had a new child and I wanted to do all of the things. I still wanted to work full time. I still wanted to give my all to my clients. I still wanted to be part of the the work, the team at work and be, you know, contributing to them and take on these projects that I loved. I wanted to get more experience, just really enthusiastic. And at the same time, I also wanted to be with my family. I also wanted to be a great mom and be able to spend time with my child and keep up with the house and also do hobbies and take care of myself and the gym and cook and all of these things, right? All of these things I wanted to do. And it got to the point that I started just slipping. Things started falling through the cracks. I started really slacking on my documentation. I started getting short with everybody, including my boss and colleagues, my family. And it got to the point that I just didn't even recognize myself anymore, that I was just so irritable and stressed out and just not a fun person because I'm constantly thinking, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing that I have to do? And it was terrible. It was so bad. And I never want to get back to that place. And I want you to just be aware that this can happen. And if this is happening to you, no worries. There are solutions. There are answers to your prayers. We will talk about this. It's not going to be easy, right? Fixing problems is not easy. However, staying in the problem is also not easy. So you're going to need to choose your heart here. And I'm going to give you the information that you need. And it's up to you to decide if you're going to act on it or if you're just going to continue to uh, be irritable and complain about your situation without doing anything about it. So let's hop into this, right? So as far as work goes, and we're going to, there's all sorts of stress management, right? And I wanted to really narrow this down because I know that you're likely working. You probably have internships. You might still be in school. You probably have a family. You probably have all these things going on. But I really wanted to just focus in on what stresses us out at work. So as social workers, as mental health professionals, what are these things, right? Number one is probably clients because that's probably what you deal with a lot. Um, also, number one is probably management. So all of the systems at play, your boss, having to keep everybody happy, having to really stay on the ball as far as timelines go, right? Crisis response stresses us out too, because if that's not your full-time job as a crisis responder, then when these crises come up with clients, it can be really stressful because they can take a long time. They can cause you to have to work overtime. They can just be really, really stressful having to respond to this. With that, sometimes that happens with, with crisis response or working with clients is the vicarious trauma. 
that we experience. So essentially taking on a trauma response when after working with clients. So for example, if we see that our clients are in a traumatic situation and or we hear stories about their traumatic situation, we could go home and then also have ruminating thoughts about the situation. We could have nightmares. We could have all of this energy that's being spent that is really draining, right? And that's the other thing that causes stress is the energy spent, right? I've come to a point in my career where I don't just think about the time that tasks should take or, yeah, I have an extra hour at the end of the day. Let me squeeze in another client. I really think about my energy that's going to be available at that time because while, yes, the time might be there, the energy and the brain power that is required for those tasks may not be there. So that energy spent is really, really important. Time, sometimes our works require us to work overtime. You might even be working overtime on a regular basis, more than 40 hours a week, and this is not what you signed up for, but here you are. Documentation also takes, taps into all these things, right? It takes a lot of time. It takes energy spent. Um, it can it can really be a stress on us. And especially if we have inadequate training, right? So all of us are coming from the same degree or maybe not even the same degree, right? Even if we have, for example, a social work degree, that doesn't mean that our classes were the same, our courses were the same, our professors were the same, that the internship experiences were the same. Because a lot of times, there's not this adequate training, especially around those clinical fundamentals that we need, because a lot of times the schools are saying, oh, well, you're going to learn that in your internship. And the internship is pointing their finger back at the school saying, you should learn how to do this at school. And so nobody trains you, right? And it sucks. It's not your fault. And also to internships or places of employment may not have the staffing available to train you. Even if they do, is that staff actually trained in these types of things? Are they adequate? Or is this someone that was just promoted because the position was open and here they are without adequate training themselves, right? The internships may not be able to just accommodate that or, and also your job, right? If you're coming out of grad school, your job is expecting you to know the basics of assessments, of documentation, of utilizing the basic therapeutic interventions with clients to increase that change, right? And if you don't have these things, if you're not confident in your skills, that can be a really, really big source of stress if you're feeling inadequate in your skills. Just as a sideline, if that is you, if you're feeling inadequate in these skills of assessment, documentation, using basic therapeutic interventions, you know, safety planning, definitely check out the course, The Clinical Essentials for the Future Therapist. This course was designed with you in mind, my friend, and it is an investment and it is not your fault that you are here, but it is your responsibility to make sure that you provide yourself with the adequate training that you need to feel confident in your job. And if you're going on job interviews, to be able to speak intelligently to these skills that you're going to need in most of these jobs, right? Community mental health, CPS, 
APS, even medical social work, right? School social work, working with kiddos. All of these are the foundational skills that you're going to need. So there's a lot of things that can cause us stress at work, but I want you to just imagine that while you still might get stressed at work, what if there's a way that you're not always stressed, that you don't carry it home with you, that you're not spending time on the weekend just thinking about your work, trying to recover from your work, trying to rest up for your work, and that you actually have space for creativity and peace. You actually have energy on the weekends and after work to help with your relationships, to feed into yourself, to go work out, to do the things that you love, to be out in nature, to take up a hobby, right? These are possible and it requires a certain level of awareness and action, right? So first, what I'm talking about as far as stress, it's just that emotional tension or nervousness or agitation that shows up for us when when things are feeling like they're too much, right? Sometimes stress can be good because it can prompt us to take action, right? If we have the stress of a test coming up or a presentation, that stress can prompt us to take action and to get ready for it. However, when it is ongoing, chronic, every single day, relentless, never giving up, you're going to end up irritable, feeling overwhelmed. You're going to actually have a hard time relaxing and quieting your mind. And if you've actually come from a background with chronic stress, maybe poverty, domestic violence, abuse, neglect, right? Any kind of ongoing trauma in your life, you may be living in a state of chronic stress, right? You may have low energy. You might get headaches. If you have an upset stomach often, You'll, your muscles will be tense. So right now, if your muscles are tense, just pull your shoulders down away from your ears, relax your jaw, right? You are not going to be in the mood to be intimate with your partner. And there's a lot of other long-term consequences of stress, right? This can even affect your memory. So if you're saying, man, I've been forgetful, or I forget to call that client back, or I forget that this is due, that's another sign of stress, right? Changes in appetite. If you are using more alcohol, drugs, smoking, whatever you smoke, smoke with that more, right? Any kind of nervous behaviors or tics or picking at your nails, right? All of these are signs that you may be stressed out. So what do we do about it? Let's talk about prevention. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. Have your clients had a hard time finding a therapist through their health plan? The National Union of Healthcare Workers is the nation's largest union of private sector behavioral healthcare providers and a leader in the fight for mental health parity. This year, NUHW is working with allies to ensure that health plans maintain accurate, up-to-date listings of in-network providers. By eliminating so-called ghost networks, we can ensure that patients get timely access to care by finding mental health providers who are actually available and covered by their plan. 
Learn more at nuhw.org slash networks. The next time you need continuing education units, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. When I started this podcast, I reached out to the founder, Amanda Rowan, to see if she was interested in being a sponsor, and she jumped at the chance to support her fellow social worker. TDC has helped more than 100,000 social workers pass their licensing exam, including myself. I love that TDC CE courses are engaging and relevant. Amanda and her experts give us clear and practical clinical skills that we can immediately apply to our work. Some of my favorites are the Edge of Life Suicide Prevention course, where Amanda shares her personal experiences and their They Did What Law and Ethics course that looks at real cases where therapists face formal disciplinary actions. They also have a great telehealth course. We are legally required to take continuing education to increase our competence and most other courses out there don't actually teach the material in a way that we can learn it, but TDC does. You can also check out the links in the show notes. As far as prevention goes, let's talk about ways that we can prevent this stress from accumulating and respond to it, right? Because first, we really need to take action to just reduce that response in our body. So first, you really need to prioritize your human needs, right? Just to stay alive, you need to be drinking water, you need to be sleeping, and you need to be eating food. And I know these sound basic, but a lot of times we don't. I know when I was stressed out, when I was burnt out, I was not getting enough sleep. I would forget to drink my water. I would work through my lunch. And none of that helps your body just maintain itself, right? So I'm not even counting this as self-care because this is basic stuff that you need to stay alive. And you are not basic, my friend. Your job is not basic. So you have to prioritize and you have to have those boundaries around what it is that you need to be your best self and to be the best social worker that you can be, right? Boundaries is the next thing. Boundaries is where we are telling people how we're going to be treated, how we're going to be spending our time, and they may not like that because it could be a change for you, right? So boundaries like, hey, I signed up for 40 hours a week. And I'm sorry, I'm going to be doing 40 hours. And if you can't get your jobs tasks done in 40 hours, then there needs to be a conversation with management around reprioritizing your work because working these 40 hours that you agreed to that was in the contract is very important to you, right? So how can we reorganize this? That can be a boundary. Not answering your phone on the weekends or when clients call outside of business hours. That can be a boundary. So it's really about... What is it that you need to be well and do what it is that you need to do, right? A lot of times we can feel guilty about setting up these boundaries, but I want to just throw in an example here, right? Let's picture a Tesla, right? An electric car. It is well-performing, does its job, but every so often, every day after working so long, it has to take a time to recharge, to pause, 
to refuel its energy source. And if a machine needs this much time, how much time do you need as a human, right? This is not about taking advantage of people or not doing your job. It's really about fueling yourself up so that you can be the best that you can be, right? Also, seek support. Find community. This can be with your clinical supervisor in the form of supervision. If you need a clinical supervisor or if your supervisor is not what you need, then go to a directory like the RISE directory and see if you can't find a supervisor who can better fit your needs, right? RISEdirectory.com. Seek support in your colleagues. So many times I called up my colleagues and just had to vent or had to process what happened with this client. And that is super duper helpful in reducing your stress and just unloading for a little bit. Find community and support with your professors, with other mentors, and even with your family and friends. Like they probably won't understand or get what you're going through with your clients. And you shouldn't be revealing confidential information to your clients or anyone outside of your work circle, but they can help kind of distract you, support you, and love on you, right? So the whole goal of stress reduction is to just bring your body back down to homeostasis, to be stable. And I started diving into this information to see what is it that we really need as humans to bring our bodies back down, right? For self-regulation. And what I found over and over again are these different areas, right? Number one is movement and exercise. Whatever that looks like for you, right? Walking, riding a bike, dancing, whatever it is, movement and exercise, we are made to be active beings, right? Learning how to, how to practice mindfulness, intentional breathing, having positive relationships, that community, finding space and time and energy for laughing, for affection, for even pampering, right? Um, Ugly crying, if that is what you need, just ugly cry for as long as you need. And I promise it won't last that long, maybe like five minutes max. You would probably spend more time stopping yourself from crying than you actually would if you just let it all go and start crying, right? Other things are artistic creation. And if these things aren't working and you need more intensive support, definitely seek out your own therapy. It is not a bad thing to be a mental health therapist or mental health expert and seek your own therapy. So if this was helpful, this was just an overview, right? I do intense trainings on stress management. So if that is something that you or your workplace or your college would benefit from, definitely let me know. If you want more social work resources, join the email list. The link is down there in the show notes. And if this show was helpful for you, please share it with a colleague. Please text it to them. Open up your phone right now. Send a little text message. Say, hey, check this out. I thought this would be super helpful. So until next time, my friend, I'll talk to you later.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you love this episode, be sure to subscribe and text this episode to a friend. If you want more, there are a few ways we can get to know each other and work together. First, definitely subscribe to the Friday resource email list. The link is in the show notes. And that's where you can learn more about the courses I offer, including Clinical Essentials for the Future Therapist and the Pulse Basics for Medical Social Workers. I'll also be sending out occasional tips and resources and other happenings within the social work industry. And for all your clinical supervision needs, be sure to visit risedirectory.com. This is a national directory of clinical supervisors for social workers, and we also provide free resources that you can use within your own clinical supervision. Lastly, if you have more individualized needs, I do offer coaching, individual consultations, and am available for public speaking engagements for social workers and change makers. Lastly, the boring legal stuff, but very important. The information in this podcast is not meant to be a supplement for therapy, professional advice, or clinical supervision. This content is provided as is solely for informational purposes. It is not legal, health, or safety advice. I am not advising you as a therapist. Organizations should engage their own experts to ensure any adoptive measures are compliant with applicable laws and standards in their jurisdictions. The opinions expressed by individuals or organizations are their own and do not reflect the views or opinions of Social Workers Rise or Catherine Moore. References to specific products or organizations do not constitute any endorsement or recommendations by Social Workers Rise.